Secrets to Real Estate Investing, Episode 42. Welcome to the Secrets to Real Estate Investing podcast by House Flip Masters, where you will learn powerful strategies from top experts in real estate investing, and you will find valuable information to take your investments to the next level. Now, here's your host and expert real estate investor, Holly McCann. Well, hello there, and welcome to another exciting episode of Secrets to Real Estate Investing by House Flip Masters. We have a different kind of guest today, different mentality and mindset than many people I've had on my show, because he is the king of mobile home investing. I'm super impressed with him. His name is Tim King, and he got his start in mortgages. He went from doing mortgages to mobile homes. And with that, you know, welcome to the show, Tim. Holly, thanks for having me. I'm sure it's a little obscure topic, but every now and then someone's interested in some wackiness. Oh, it's not that obscure. And it's one of those things that once when I heard about mobile home investing, I started looking around and this town that I used to live in, I couldn't believe how many mobile home parks I saw that I never looked at before. They're everywhere in Southern California. But uh, why don't you give our listeners your background, your backstory of how you got into the mobile home investing, how you picked kind of that niche in the real estate investing world. Sure. Um, probably early 2000s, I'd gotten into the uh, mortgage origination business um, and was doing well at it and had gotten introduced to a friend of the family who had a mobile home dealership, which is essentially uh, a dealership like a car dealership that sells mostly new mobile homes. And he was pretty old school and didn't understand very much about how the new uh, financing was being underwritten, which is using a 1003 and underwritten pretty much like a single family mortgage. So um, found sort of an interesting niche that weren't very many people in of uh, doing mortgage origination for manufactured homes. Um, they didn't pay quite as well as the single families, but you know, I got three points on a $100,000 deal as opposed to one point on a five or $600,000 deal, but I didn't have any competition. Mm. Um, and at one point I'd gotten involved with sales of the homes. He had said, you know, he didn't have any salespeople at the time. And since I was already involved in meeting with people, would I mind showing the home? I thought, sure, no problem. Uh, and he said, you know, we'll pay you a percentage of what the, uh, gross profits are on the home. And I thought anything extra was good. So first deal, I did a, uh, origination on a loan. It was about 110,000, I think. I made 3000 on that, and then when I went to go meet with him, I picked up a check for about $13,000. Oh, my really gosh. Really got my attention. <laughs> wow. <laughs> really got my attention. Payday. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Um, and so it just really intrigued me of if there's that much profit in these things, what am I missing out on? Um, and then about, I guess, 20, 2007 or so, when the mortgage crisis hit, um, single family stuff slowed down slowly, but manufactured housing and what they call chattel lending because it's personal property literally disappeared in 30 days. There were, uh, lenders that I was working with that in the midst of a funding were out of business the next day. I mean, it's gone. So wow. it literally just evaporated overnight. And as a serial entrepreneur to me, when there's any type of chaos or problem or inefficiency in a the market, there's a profit potential if you can figure out how to solve that problem. Um, I just started doing research as best I could, just really found out about the term creative finance um, and stumbled across a book 
called Deals on Wheels by a guy named Lonnie Scruggs. And uh, I had much of the education of finance and how things work and financing the markets. I understood the mobile home business. It just took a guy in a simple 80-page book to explain to me how you can buy them inexpensively for cash because there's no bank financing. You can provide seller financing and market up two to three times and make a really nice return on your money in the middle. Um, and since there wasn't really any competition for me against me in that market of people who could even spell seller financing <laughs> that, uh, it just really took off for me and it was a bitch. And I started learning from, you know, my favorite gurus who have become my friends, uh, people like Jack Shea, uh, the late, late Jack Miller, uh, Dykes Botterford, uh, John Schaub, Peter Fortunato, um, Gary Johnston, just guys that I think, uh, I learned so much from and all that creative financing technique that they all use towards single families or apartment buildings and things. I applied that towards the mobile home business and could just create deals where nobody else could really even think how to solve the problem. And in doing so made a good business for myself. Um, once, um, you get going, I think it was after about eight or nine years of that, uh, you get a little frustrated with the park managers because they're kind of the gatekeeper of your transaction. Uh, if they don't approve your buyer, you can't sell the home. So I got interested in actually owning the parks themselves. Um, and so today I've got several parks that I own and operate, and I'm always looking for some more. Uh, so that's basically how I started off in the mobile home business themselves and ended up owning the dirt as well. Wow. Why don't you tell our listeners where you did that business and where you're doing it now? Um, right in Southern California, in the South Bay. I live in Torrance, California, and the business I do is generally the surrounding cities. I don't like driving freeways very often, so everything's within about a 20-minute surface street drive of where I live. Um, you know, I've been told many times by people who live in different states, friends of mine, that you can't do this kind of business in California because it's too expensive, uh, which I say is great because don't come and crowd my market. I do, <laughs> I do quite well at it. And I don't, you know, if anybody asks me about it, I'm happy to help them learn the business, but I don't go out and say, hey, come run into my backyard and take all my business from me. Right. Um, so I do it right here where most people tell me I can't do it. I love it. I mean, that's a way that many opportunities are turned into, you know, businesses for entrepreneurs. It's just like, hey, when people say it can't be done, people like you figure it out and make a great business out of it. So you're not doing anything out of state. You're entirely within California where you live, right? Uh, for the homes themselves, there's a, a term in the industry uh, kind of coined by Lonnie Scruggs who kind of uh, originated this, if you will. Uh, called Lonnie deals where mm -hmm. you're just buying the homes in other people's parks uh, okay. and selling them. And I do that in Southern California. Uh, as many people, I can't find the returns that I want in California as far as cap rates on which essentially commercial properties, mobile home parks. So I've gone out of state uh, to find the returns that I think are acceptable for the amount of work and risk. Okay. So yeah, that's really interesting. Why don't you run through if you wouldn't mind a, couple of examples of deals and how much money it takes, maybe an early one. And I don't know if you're still doing them all the time now, but give people an idea of what they can do because there are mobile homes pretty much all over this whole country of ours. And I think it's a really great place with a lot lower capital needed for people to jump into. It's a lot, the, the barrier to entry, in my opinion, is lower with mobile homes than it is in single family, especially in Los Angeles and Orange County. So why don't you tell them kind of what that deal would look like? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it just to kind of expound on that point, when I would talk to guys like Pete Fortunato and Jack Shea, and they're buying three-bedroom, two-bath block homes in Florida for seventy, dollars $120,000, I'm like, that's what I buy a tin box and someone else's park for in California. Yeah. So for me, you know, all the numbers made perfect sense for what I was doing. They all laughed at me. But, yeah. you know, I just happened to make it work. Uh, the only state that does not have mobile home parks is Hawaii. They do have some manufactured homes over there, but they tend to go on people's private land. Oh, the only okay. state I know of that doesn't have parks in it. Interesting um, to know. I, you know, I'll give you an example of my first two deals I did getting into the market, which were polar opposites. Uh, first one was I just started marketing. I didn't have any money. Uh, in fact, I had quite a bit of credit card debt when I started off. And um, I learned from Pete that basically a purchase agreement with an exit is an option. And so what I would do is I'd go find some other home for sale, say, well, I'll pay you X amount of dollars for it. And I need to sell it. And I'd give myself 30 days. And then I would market like crazy for a buyer. And I would try to match up what my cost was to purchase the home from somebody for the down payment that I could get from my end buyer. So I had uh, essentially an option on a home for $15,000. I quickly found a buyer for $45,000 with $15,000 down. So I basically took my down payment of 15,000 from my buyer, used it to purchase the home from the seller, and then carried a note for five years for about $600 a month um, for five years for the balance on it. So I was able to turn myself into an income of $600 a month and I had no money out of pocket. I think there was, I was short. Uh, I think I was under a thousand dollars out for escrow closing and all the different the things that nickel and dime you for, but for all intents and purposes in two months, I had all my money back out and I had, uh, 58 months of payments with no cash in the deal. So I thought, wow, this is awesome. How can you screw this up? <laughs> this is great. So I saved up a little bit of money and came across a deal where I could buy this older home, uh, nowhere near as good a shape, but I bought it for $1,500 and I fixed it up and I probably had about four or $5,000 into it total. And I was trying to sell it for, I think, $18,000 or $19,000 and which, you know, with the financing, we're just trying to get, you know, four or $5,000 down back out of it and then carry the remaining at a time when there was no financing, especially for older homes. And um, it was a senior park. And every time I had somebody come in to qualify, for some reason, they couldn't qualify. The manager wouldn't allow them, whether they had a dog that was over 25 pounds, uh, their spouse or significant other was under 45 and couldn't live there. Uh, they couldn't, couldn't demonstrate enough income. And so I went from what was a slam dunk deal in 30 days to holding a mobile home, paying $800 a month space rent for about seven months. Um, and someone came in and bought it all cash for me. I can't remember what the final sales price was. I think I made $500 uh, just because I didn't want to take a loss on my first deal. Uh, and I was happier than heck to get out of it. And it just taught me a real lesson that you really have to understand the management in the park because they are truly the gatekeeper of your transaction. That's not like a condominium or something where you have a buyer and you're willing to take payments and you're done. They have to qualify to live in that park. Uh, I have gone on to do a lot of business in that park. I'm very good friends with the manager. I just didn't understand what I was doing at first and how risky that could be having to shell out, you know, over $800 a month for uh, utilities, taxes, insurance, and space rent while you're selling a home at a very low price point. 
and it just ate up all profit in the whole deal and almost was a loss. Wow. And those are my first two deals and they were polar opposites. So I understood how profitable the business could be. And I also learned a good lesson of how to be very careful and understand management and qualifications very carefully when you've got that high of a space rent you're dealing with, that you're responsible for paying because the carrying costs are a much higher percentage than when you're doing a single family type of transaction. Wow. Wow. And um, how long have you been doing this? How many years have you been doing mobile home investing? I guess about 12 years now or so. Wow. Okay. 11, I years. think you know what you're doing. So, yeah. I don't remember the exact. Some people are like, I got in on April 17th, 1978. I'm like, I don't know when the exact date was. Right. Right. <laughs> it was roughly 11, 12 years ago. Okay. So, yeah. So, why don't you um, share some other, you know, what did, how were those deals different <clears throat> than what you're experiencing now? Or are you even doing any individual home purchase deals anymore? Are you just dealing with parks? <laughs> uh, no, I, I do both. Um, a lot of the parks that I have are turnaround projects, so there's not much cash flow coming out of them. So just sort of my bread and butter daily living expenses at this point in time come out of doing the Lonnie deals uh, locally. I will say I've probably gotten a little more selective in the deals I don't take on. I'm not as uh, desperate, motivated. Mm-hmm. As I once was <laughs> with uh, my first baby on the way and a whole lot of credit card debt I was trying to get out of. Um, but, you know, I mean, a lot of the deals come from, I do a lot of direct marketing with postcards. Um, I've got, you know, a handful of parks that I do business in. I don't do business in a whole lot of parks. And a lot of the reason is because of the managers. Uh, you know, I have done, there's a very large park near me in Harbor City, I've done I don't know, 15, 18 deals in over the years. And the manager of 30 years, who I was very good friends with, um, called me one day in December a couple of years ago and said, by the way, Tim, I'm retiring at the end of the month. And I was like, that's not good. Um, <laughs> I had no idea that's who the manager friend, was huh? coming in. Yeah. yeah, it's my friend. Well, you know, they, they understand what I'm doing. Most people don't understand what I'm doing. And I would say there's maybe one real estate agent ever that actually figured out, I think mostly what it is that I do. The rest of them don't have a clue yeah. what I'm actually doing. They don't understand the, the mechanics behind it. Uh, but in this park, there are three, uh, it's a senior community and there's three realtors that live in the park and fight each other for the mobile home business. Mm. And um, I kind of affectionately call them failed realtors. Uh, you know, they've been realtors. They tell me they've been realtors for 50 years in the South Bend. I'm like, and you live in, in a $40,000 tin box. Yeah. <laughs> Generally, I don't think you did all that well as a realtor in Southern California, if that's all you have after all these years. Uh, but so they went to the manager and started telling me that I was doing illegal stuff like seller financing. He does voodoo and it, it's, it's illegal and he's trying to cheat these people. And they would literally go by transactions and stop in and talk to the people and say, you know, be careful. He's trying to rip you off. And they're like, I don't understand. He's taking payments for seven years. How is he ripping me off? You guys couldn't get me financed. You guys couldn't get me a transaction. And why are you badmouthing this guy? Because he was able to do it. You know, I jokingly say those agents, they can't spell seller financing. And so they went and just immediately told the manager how horrible I was. And I cheated people because I took payments on things. And I have not been able to do business in that part for years because every time I come in there, I'm ju- I know that they will not approve my buyers if I buy a home and they're turn around uh, so because those, I've been so. Those realtors are the ones that basically ruined your opportunity then, huh? 
<laughs> they did in that point. And it's part of, I know jealousy. I'm not sure what it is, but I, I think they honestly thought that I was doing some sort of black magic with this stuff called seller financing. Um, wow. You know, because all they knew how to do was all cash or get a bank loan. Like most realtors, that's all they really know or are taught. I should say it's all they were taught to do. No, it's all they you know. know. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely and they don't right. spend long weekends like you and I do at seminars, learning how to do it differently. <laughs> right. Right. They don't, they just say no rather than let's find a way to make things work. Let's find a way for win-win for everybody. Yeah. I mean, a, a lot of times there's a few bad and evil real estate investors out there hurting people, taking advantage of people. And it, and it gives the rest of us a bad name when mm-hmm. we're out to yeah. create value, make people's lives better, improve homes inside and out, make neighborhoods, make mobile home parks better, safer, cleaner, prettier. I mean, that's, that's your goal now when you buy a mobile home park, you're not trying to be a slumlord. I know that. So. No, I'm trying to fix them, make a nicer place to live so I can raise the rents. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Everybody that lives there, I mean, improve the quality of the people there. And yeah, boy, how frustrating. So how many um, homes, if you, you don't want to share, that's okay. But I mean, do you still own a lot of homes that you're collecting on um, the notes and getting an income from the work that you've done in the past? Yeah. Yeah. I still got a couple dozen people that send me checks every month. I get Christmas cards from a lot of them. Uh, <laughs> Awesome. Well, I mean, I've got, I've got a lot of people who they, their credit or whatever it was, they could never buy a home. They could never get finance. They looked everywhere, everywhere. I was the only person that could get them into a home of their own. And wow. they would send me Christmas cards and thank you so much. I would get tons of referrals. You got to call Tim. He can help you out. And, you know, because I was, I wasn't ripping anybody off. I was enabling somebody to sell because they needed to go. And I was enabling somebody to buy because I was willing to create the financing so that they could buy the home and pay me over time until they owned it free and clear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you made, you solved two people's problems and certainly you added value to that and deserve to be paid for it. So yeah, that's very frustrating. I think so. When people don't (laughs) understand that and appreciate it. And yeah, I, I I just don't associate with grumpy, angry people. I just let it go (laughs) (laughs) is what it is. There's plenty of opportunity out there. And and you're not going to be able to change their mind, obviously. So that's really interesting. Move on and find another park to do business in. So how did you move from doing, you know, individual homes to um, a park? How did you make that jump? And was it scary? Was it not a big deal? Or how was that for you? Well, I, I can't remember exactly where or who it was that explained it to me, or I just sort of pieced it together that, uh, that basically the financing, chattel financing for mobile homes really disappeared. And nobody really envisions it coming back with any great force for infill of your average parks. Cause what would happen is a mobile home dealer would, you know, spend $75,000 putting a mobile home into a park. Then they need to market up and sell it for $125,000. So 50 grand of that sales price was profit to the mobile home dealer. Mm-hmm. And when the financial crisis hit and a lot of the banks realized, wow, these homes, the reality, they aren't worth anywhere near what we've got to finance for because we financed $50,000 out of a $125,000 purchase on air. You know, that was the markup from the dealer. Uh, and so no one really expects that financing to come back. So in order to be able to fill a park, as for me, the opportunity was buying a park that was in distress that needed to be fixed up. I needed to understand how to get those homes in get those homes sold so that I could fill the park up because the old days of relying on a dealer 
would have people come into a dealership going, oh, I want this brand new home. Great. They'd come and they'd set it in your park. You didn't have any money out of pocket and you got a brand new resident. It doesn't happen anymore. You have to buy the home, bring it in, sell it and carry the paper to get new residents. So I wanted to understand doing Lonnie deals as thoroughly as I possibly could before I stepped up to owning the parks, knowing that I would need that knowledge and information to be able to do anything with these damaged parks. Because part of the reason the opportunity was there is that the park owners didn't know what to do. They had residents would leave, a home would be destroyed, one would burn down, some bank would repo it and pull it out, and slowly they just lost residency over time and didn't understand how to go out, buy it, find it, bring it in, set it up, fix it, sell it, and carry the paper on it, or they just didn't want to. Um, and after a while, you get frustrated with the fact that you have to go through a manager in order to get your person approved. I mean, I've had people that were paying $100,000 cash for a home, had half a million dollars in an annuity, but they didn't take enough out every month to show income to qualify for the park, so they denied them residency in the park. Wow. And I just think that's retarded. Someone yeah. came to me and goes, this person's paying all cash. Like, they're probably not going to leave because they just paid all cash for this home. If they do not pay rent and I foreclose, you know, I go to a warehouse and lean and take the home back, I get a beautiful home to sell. And they've got half a million dollars in annuity. Why wouldn't I take that person on? Well, a lot of the corporations have very specific guidelines for the managers, and they would deny these people residency in the park because they didn't show enough income because they were very frugal and didn't have a car, didn't spend very much. They could easily pay the space rent, but didn't take three times the space rent out to just spend. Um, and so you kind of look at that and you're like, I think I want to own the dirt. I want to have control over the ability of who comes into my park. And at the end of the day, a, a note is a depreciating asset. After five years, it, it pays off. Right. And they don't send you, those nice people don't send me checks anymore. <laughs> and I just sort of realized that the long-term way for me to do it was instead of owning, you know, 150 rental houses around an area, if I could have a couple of contiguous parks or parks close to each other, I could have 150 residents. That's all one area, all one closed area. And they'd all send me checks every month. And over time, I could fill the park up, improve infrastructure, bring in nicer homes, redo the road, street lights, and place like that. And I found that people don't mind paying for value. If you're providing a nicer place to live, they don't mind the rent going up. What they don't like is the rent going up and that park continues to deteriorate. That's what upsets people. But right. people don't seem, for the most part, don't have a problem paying for proper value. Uh, and that was sort of what brought upon my transition to go into the parks themselves. I knew it was going to be more work, but over the long haul, that's something that will, once stabilized, will be a lot less work. And those lovely people will continue to sell me checks every month. Yeah. So how does one go about buying a mobile home park as far as financing goes? Um, in general, um, are there bank loans or do you need to do seller finance? And then would you mind sharing what you did? Um, there are bank loans out there. Uh, if you're buying a $250,000 park and you need a $200,000 loan, those are tough because the bank does the same amount of work for a $2 million loan as they do a $200,000 loan. There's phase one environmentals, there's surveys, there's, uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of due diligence that they do and it's all in small park or large park. Uh, so yeah, there is some bank financing out there. Um, the last, um, Mobile Home Park Seminar I was at recently, I guess Fannie Mae is actually getting involved. The government is starting to get involved with providing financing for communities. Uh, but there are a handful of banks out there 
that will lend on them. Uh, with that said, the lenders are looking for a nicer product. They're looking for 80% occupancy. Uh, they don't want a park where there's a bunch of pit bulls tied to the trailer hitch on the homes, dirt roads with potholes in them. You know, the banks shy away from that kind of stuff. Uh, it can be very lucrative, those type of opportunities, uh, but that's where you need to approach the folks with seller financing. And a lot of times those folks will realize that they do need to carry because, you know, commercial lenders will not finance those parks. Um, and if it's going to be an all cash deal, they got to come way off their price to get you a decent cash on cash return. All right. So what? So there is financing out there, but it's for the nicer stuff. Okay. And the nicer stuff is going to be priced higher. So if you're looking for an opportunity where you can add some value, increase the value of the park, it's probably not going to be with a bank loan. Then sounds like what you're saying. Uh, well, they're all out there. Um, they're out there to find. I mean, the folks that I learned a lot about the park business from, um, I think it's now called Mobile Home University. A uh, guy named uh, Frank Rolf and Dave Reynolds that I think are now the fifth, sixth largest owner of parks in the country. Wow. Um, okay. And, but, you know, they have over the last 20 years built up an amazing deal flow. And they are looking at parks left, right, and center. And they're primarily mom and pop parks. They're people that probably built this stuff after World War II and live there and now want to sell it. Mm -hmm. uh, they've raised a lot of money. Um, through some funds that they put together and they do a lot of conduit lending. Um, and they're able just, I think, by reputation and the fact that they don't have defaults and they do a lot of business, can tend to buy some of those parks are in a little less straight shape. You know, there are some out there that rents are way below market. You know, mom and pop have never raised the rent in 10 years. There are right. opportunities to do it that way. Uh, or they've paid all the utilities, all the electric, gas, water, everything is all paid by the park. And you just submeter that and bill it back to the resident. So instead of having them using a ton of utilities that you're paying for, they now have to pay for their own utility. They, they stop wasting water and stop wasting electricity, but now they have to pay for it. And so that's essentially raising the rents as well. So yeah. there are opportunities out there. It just takes digging. You know, yeah. I would venture to say that pretty much anything that's listed on LoopNet and places like that out there, there may be some diamonds in the rough. Uh, but that stuff that's basically been looked over by the larger players, and that's what's left over on the, the scraps. You know, right. people who are just asking, in my opinion, way too much money. Um, there's a big problem. A challenge is that a lot of the older park owners have a lot of, they call park-owned homes, which are mobile homes that they rent. Right. So they may have, you know, a $300 space rent, but they rent the home for $500, including rent on the home. And they want to treat, they have only one set of books for the whole park as far as repairs and maintenance on the mobile home and repairs and maintenance on the park. Repairs and maintenance on the mobile home are a heck of a lot higher than they are in the park, but they want to put a cap rate on the value of that income from the park-owned home. So they might say the income on that, that home's worth $15,000. In reality, it's worth $3,500 if you break it down from what it actually is, what it's, you know, what it's worth in the open market. And that's probably one of the biggest roadblocks to getting deals done is the owners don't understand that they're separate assets completely. And they've run it so long one way that they just assume that all that money should be treated the same. And they have a broker that tells them that it should be treated the same so they can get the listing at a ridiculous price. Hmm. 
Well, this has been. I don't mean so to ramble on, but no, I'm glad. <laughs> you got me started. I was like, wow, where do I go from there? But we're we're getting here near the end of our time. So, as we wrap up, I'd love for you to give your best advice for someone who is interested in this. What I'd say, this niche of real estate investing that is not so commonly known. Um, your advice, and then what is your favorite education? resources for someone to learn about it besides the book you mentioned which I have on my bookshelf mm -hmm. too not that I ever um, pursued <laughs> that path I have flipped a couple mobile homes have one as a rental but you know haven't gone into it um, nearly as extensively as you so best advice and best education resource uh, my advice is get educated um, if you don't know how to use a 10b2 calculator uh, these are small dollar amounts on mobile homes. You really have to be good at calculating your return. Mm. Um, Gary Johnson and Clyde Wilson put on a, a weekend event in Santa Ana every year. I think it's with the financial freedom. I yeah, think I think so. Yeah, like around yeah. Labor Day. I even took I think, my, I, I, my boy to it once. <laughs> yeah, no, and you need to really understand money and how what you're doing is affected by taxes and how to use a calculator and really understand what you're doing. Uh, I know some people, I use the term street seminar, which means you try to do something on your own without paying for an education. And I can guarantee you they're a lot more expensive yes. than paying for an education. A Amen. lot more expensive. <laughs> yes. And they're a lot more painful. <laughs> so when you yes. think, I don't need that seminar. I'm going to save $400. Wait till it costs you four grand. Yes. You'll be really wishing you'd gone to that seminar. Yes, um, exactly. Yeah, deal, <laughs> Deals on Wheels is good. There are a couple other people out there that have written books on doing mobile home deals, and I'm at a loss for their names right now. Uh, there's a guy online that has uh, does a lot of YouTube videos on you know doing Lonnie deals and, and flipping mobile homes. Um, I would say educate yourself. My favorite educators are people like Dykes Bodiford. Uh, Pete Fortunato, John Schaub, uh, Jack Shea, uh, those guys, you know, when you go to a seminar, I don't think any, I don't think I've ever paid more than two, $250 a day for those guys. And I, yeah. I can guarantee you, they don't, they don't do it for the money. Those guys are well on their way. They probably make a little bit of money for their time and energy. Uh, but they're just sharing information. They don't sell you anything. There's no upsell. There's no boot camp. It's just pure knowledge. And understand how to do options. Understand the principle behind options. Understand the principle of structuring a deal creatively. Because sometimes there's more than two, two people. Sometimes there's three people. I've had four entities involved where I had to find someone to buy an RV. I'd find them a good deal on an RV so I could buy their home for them so I could sell it to the person that had to actually buy it because these people wanted to go travel but didn't know what they were doing. So, you know, I've just, I love I've, it. All kinds of different mixes to just, you know, instead of like, well, you want an RV, go find one. Well, I'm going to go find them one because they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> so That's awesome. Just bringing other other people into a deal, other entities to get it done, which I learned that from Pete Fortunato. So those would be the sources that I would say go to to learn. Um, if you're really interested in mobile home parks, uh, Mobile Home University, they do a boot camp, two or three of them around the country. It's expensive. It's a couple thousand dollars. Uh, but I would not even entertain trying to buy a mobile home park. Uh, until you go to that. I was at one two weekends ago, the one in Orange County, and I ran into several people who said, well, we just bought this park and now we don't know what to do. It's empty. Oh. And like, well, did you ever think of coming to this beforehand? Well, no, we didn't hear about it until before about the park. I go, so you have, a, you have an empty park with a mortgage on it and you have no income. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, did that not seem odd to you? <laughs> but 
<laughs> you know, just educate, educate, educate yourself um, before you really jump into it. Um, I would say that doing the mobile home deals is a great way to test the waters on creative real estate, if you will. Mm-hmm. And you can really learn a lot through transactions with very little risk, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you're in California. Or, you know, I mean, buying a rehab, it's a teardown of half a million bucks. And you've got a lot of, a lot at stake. Yeah. Um, so awesome. that would well, be my you. suggestions of educate yourself and who'd educate, who'd you get educated from? And I am going to have in our show notes, it'll be typed up, um, the names of all these guys that Tim just rattled off. Cause I know names like Dykes, <laughs> you're like, how the heck do I spell that? So yeah. they'll all be spelled out. You can Google them. They are brilliant. Um, it's great. I've been to a lot of their classes and a big part of a big way that you can make money. It doesn't have to be swinging a hammer and painting a house to fix it up. It can be the smart guy that knows how to operate a financial calculator and understands time value of money and you know exactly what Tim just said so that's a great way that you can play in the game of real estate investing without thinking you have to go do any of the house fix up yourself you you do fix up and improvements on paper with notes and mortgages and and loans and creative financing that's a great way to make money so well, yeah, I would hey, say Tim, negotiating and deal structuring is going to make you a lot more money than swinging a hammer. Exactly. Amen to that. Well, if anybody wanted to reach out with you with any questions, um, is there an email address that you could give us that they could connect with you? Yeah, it's Tim King two at Gmail. Just Tim King, the number two, Tim King two at gmail.com. Awesome. We'll have that in our show notes too. Well, thank you so much for your time, Tim. It's been wonderful to hear your success story and your unusual path to success. I love it. And I love how you (laughs) turned chaos into opportunity in so many ways. And when you heard the answer was no or couldn't be done. You found ways to make it happen. My hat's off to you. And I love your creative genius. You're amazing. So thank you. And um, <laughs> You're welcome, Holly, anytime. For all of you listeners out there, we're here every week to guide you to greatness and your real estate investing efforts. And just go out there and make it a great day. Thank you, Tim. You're welcome, Holly. Have a good day. If you found value in today's episode, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show. You can find our show notes at our website, houseflipmasters.com, on the podcast page. Also, to get our top tips for finding deals without spending lots of money, go to houseflipmasters.com for your free download today.